Welcome everyone to Sunday service. I am Nayaswami Pranava. This is Nayaswami Parvati. And welcome to all of you here in person and to those watching online. This reading is taken from Rays of the One Light with parallel passages to the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Today's focus is faith is a call to prayer. Prayer is a call to faith. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7 and 21, we read, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith, and doubt not, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Paramahansa Yogananda showed by his own example that prayer is a power, provided we believe deeply in that power. When our thoughts and feelings are strongly focused and then united in growing awareness to the divine presence within, they can bring even seemingly unrealistic wishes to fulfillment. When Paramahansa Yogananda was in charge of a school in Ranchi, India, he took the boys on occasional outings to the surrounding countryside. There was a waterfall not far away, he told Swami Kriyananda, where I took them sometimes. It was dangerous to cross there, but I would cry out to the boys, do you believe in God? Yes, they would shout back enthusiastically. And so we always crossed in safety. Years later, after I had gone to America, one of the teachers tried to do the same thing, but he lacked spiritual power. One of the boys slipped on a rock and was drowned. Thus, the master explained, belief alone is not enough it must be united to one-pointed awareness, which leads to self-realization. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter underscores the necessity for such one-pointed concentration. Whenever the mind, fickle and restless, wanders off from its concentration, let the meditating yogi withdraw it resolutely, spurning every distraction, no matter how alluring, and bring it back again and again under the control of the self. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, I'd like to welcome you all as well to Sunday service. I'd like to begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is called, I baptize myself in the waters of my tears of love. Through long winding pathways of self-doubt, fording mighty rivers that separated thee from me, trudging over endless wastes of barren lives, tossing dangerously on the rapids of many ambitions, 
arduously climbing steep mountain trails of desire and carefully extricating myself from whirlpools of alternating sadness and hilarity. At last I have reached my journey's end. I look upon all those past travails with joy. Every struggle, every past agony has produced a flowing spring of joyous, grateful tears. In the sacred waters of those tears, I baptize myself daily with deep love for thee. So the topic today, as I will talk about it, is about faith. And uh, faith is vital to our spiritual life. It's vital to our spiritual progress. Without it, we can't progress. Deep, selfless, devotional faith to God is essential for spiritual growth. There's no way around it. And yet, we're not always there. So we start with believing in things. And I was thinking that uh, when I first came to Ananda, uh, I, I believed in a lot of things. I had just read the autobiography, and um, I, uh, uh, it all felt familiar to me. I, I didn't run into a lot of real stumbling blocks, except that there were so many people to relate to that that was a little, you know, I had to put out more energy. Uh, but that was all fine. But, uh, and then I, I went along and, uh, you know, recently people have said about uh, the time that we're in right now with the pandemic that, uh, well, Ananda's really gone through a number of uh, tests over the years, 50 years of growth. And uh, one of the first ones was the fire. And uh, it was interesting because I remember uh, when the fire happened, um, that it was just a reality for me. It wasn't a test. Uh, my place, my home didn't burn down. Ayodhya didn't burn. Swami's dome didn't burn. I was running the market at the time. It didn't burn. You know, a lot of things didn't burn. The publications building didn't burn. So there was normality in my particular life. I mean, we, all the other build, all the other homes here burned, and so that was a huge uh, test for many people. But um, at any rate, I just progressed along, focusing on my spiritual life, on meditation, on serving. Uh, doing things like that. And then the next test, so that was just four years after I arrived, 1976. The next test is said to be the lawsuit. And that was, that was like, I don't know, in, a, in one way it was like World War II <laughs> in comparison because it was a, a test, it was strong, we didn't know if we'd survive, we had to fight like crazy to do so. Um, a lot of unknowns during 12 years of lawsuit. But I have to say, since we're focusing on faith, that a test for me occurred between those two. And it, it came, and it was personal for me. It came around 1981, in fact, in 1981. And I had been part of the monastery for six years at that point. 
and very committed to living as a nun and you know really tuning into renunciation in that particular way and Swami was very much in that flow himself personally uh, at least to a certain degree but he was very much and he helped us a lot in how to how to live the life and all of that but about 1980 uh, I was lucky enough to travel with him to Australia in the spring of that year. Spent two and a half weeks. And I mention this because I spent personal time with Swami. I, I knew Swami and I trusted him and I believed in him and I had faith in him. But my faith was tested in that year. And the way it was tested is that Swami, by the end of 1980, he was he was just feeling like he'd really come to the end of what he needed to do. He had established a community. He had done many things. He had written the path. It had been published. He had gone out lecturing. Um, he'd done a lot of things. And he was feeling uh, in kind of an unknown time. And then in January of 1981, he went to the island of Kauai. And it's always interesting with Ananda because we're all so different and unique as individual devotees and all of that. So he went at the beginning of January and around two or three weeks later, we hadn't heard from him, but we heard from Shivani that said, oh, Swami's met someone here and he's bringing her back to the community. And I thought, what, <laughs> her? And, and Swami, but Swami is a Swami, you know, and he's bringing her back to the community. And I thought, wow, well, this is going to be interesting. And so um, it eventually evolved. And that year was very interesting. It was very vitally important for the future of Ananda. And it was vitally important for my future with Ananda. And so uh, Swami did come back. The woman that he met, he felt deeply spiritually inspired by. He felt even on a soulmate level. And uh, they traveled a bit, but then during that summer of 1981, uh, he did a lot of satsangs for the community. Swami was a true disciple, a true leader, and he discussed things with us. He didn't just say, oh, this is what I'm doing, by the way, and leave it at that. No, he wanted to help us to come along with him in this new time in his life, and really new time for Ananda. And so he had these satsangs. And for me personally, I remember there was a, a satsang. This was in the temple, Temple of Light over at the expanding light. But I remember a satsang before that where he talked about what had happened for him in Kauai, what was happening for him spiritually, and all of that. And I thought, wow, this is like a bomb exploding for the, for the renunciates, you know, <laughs> it's just boom. And, uh, but it, it, was, it was good. I could feel basically it was very good but I really needed to take it deeper because I thought, okay, yeah, it all feels good, but good is not enough for what I'm doing here. 
I'm giving my whole heart and soul and allegiance and faith in Swami because he is guiding Ananda. And so I need to take this deeper. And so here's what I did to really seal the deal on this particular issue for me. I meditated on it. Not only did I meditate on it, but I thought, what is it that would prove this to me? What am I most concerned about in regard to Swami and these changes? And I thought, I want to feel that his consciousness hadn't changed. And so I meditated on it. I went to the satsangs. Again, I just took it as deep as I could. And in a fairly short time, I realized everything's fine. Swami hadn't changed at all. The outer form of what he was doing had changed. Yes, pretty dramatically. (laughs) But he himself was the same. And what he was, the reason I say this was an incredible time for Ananda is because not only for Swami personally, but what he was doing at that time was he was bringing in the concept of inner renunciation as the prime thing for our lives. Not outer renunciation, but inner renunciation. And in that, from that understanding inwardly, then you would take your life and apply that to whatever was your dharma in this lifetime. It might be to be in the monastery. That might be a dharmic thing for you that that you really needed to do. It might be just to be a single person at Ananda. It might be to be married. It might be to have children, be married and have children. In other words, a central core became inner renunciation. And from that, Swami, a whole new era of Ananda proceeded out of that. That was 1981, 1982 came along. Swami gave some of his best classes ever in that year. I remember always going back to them and thinking, wow, this was not an easy year for Swami, but it was really happening. And then 1983, Europe started to open up and all of the Italians came to visit in 1983 and a whole new era opened. And he was really moving energy in a way that would make the community really possible because everybody would be equal in a way, going from that state of inner renunciation and applying out, what is, what is my dharma in life? What is your dharma in life? How, how to apply that outwardly? The sevaka order that we talk about so much, that's why that was founded. Because that holds up the core of Ananda, inner renunciation. And so, but I wanted to share this with you because I moved from good, you know, belief, good, to faith. I thought, once again, Swami has proved to me he didn't need to do that, but it was just in who he was. It's proof to me 
that he's the same, that I can have faith in him and really continue on in a wonderful way. And I felt that energy that year also, just a few months later, Swami said, oh, Parvati, by the way, how would you like to go out and and move to San Francisco? Ram, Diana, and I did the San Francisco Center. So I went out of the monastery, as, as I've told in the past, from a bus in the woods with no electricity or, or running water to a 45-room mansion in San Francisco, in Pacific Heights, and uh, was responsible for that. We were responsible for maintaining that. And I think because I really got it, what Swami was saying, and I put the effort into making it more than good, but really deep and, and faith in that, that uh, understanding that Swami was bringing into Ananda at that time happened for me as well. I was able to go out and be in San Francisco and enjoy being there. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, as Ram's mother arrived one time and got from LA and they were deep Christians and she opened the, this was in front of the 45 room mansion. She opened, opened the door, got out and we said, welcome to San Francisco. Her first comment was, Sin City. <laughs> we just laughed and enjoyed it. It was just, because it was true too. I mean, San Francisco has quite the reputation. So, but there we lived. And, and that house, because of our energy as leaders, because of what we were able to provide there, pro provided a spiritual oasis for people in the city right in the middle of everything. And it was wonderful. We had wonderful adventures there. But again, coming back to faith, what I would like to share with all of you is don't leave your spiritual life at a level of good enough, or I believe, or, but not completed. Really, when you, that was a bump for me in my spiritual life. I needed to even that out. I needed to make that really good and really in tune. It would have impeded the rest of my spiritual life. It would have impeded my spiritual growth if I had gotten stuck there. And so the next test for Ananda was the lawsuit. And luckily, a lot of us were prepared. You know, we really had worked on ourselves and, and uh, uh, been able to just flow with that. For all of you here, some of you have experienced these things directly, but now we have the next test, the pandemic. And so really uh, don't let things slide under the carpet. Don't, don't let things go by that bother you. Take it deeper. It's not enough to, oh, well, I believe Ananda's doing the right thing. Have faith, make it work, and take it deeper and deeper until that is there. Because otherwise it will, it will be a bump that will not, not help you spiritually. It will uh, be a problem, you know, because other things can add on to that bump and it becomes more of a, of a bigger bump. And so, and, and again, 
it's each of us personally, individually, as Master said, making love to God, but really taking our spiritual life deeper and deeper. We have to, in my understanding, we have to do two things. We have to ground our spiritual life in meditation and Kriya Yoga on this path and make sure that that happens every day. That's a grounding element for us. And the other part is we need to continue to be aware. <laughs> Don't go to sleep at the wheel, as they say. Be aware, and not, not in a tense way, I don't mean that, but uplift your energy. Be aware of what's happening around you and why things are happening around you. Don't, don't let them just go by, but, but really feel an attunement. You know, I wanted to read this thing. This is from one of the larger, longer rays reading. <clears throat> because Swami answers an interesting question <clears throat> in it. He said, is it really possible, one may wonder, by faith alone to perform miracles? We must understand that what faith does is simply attune us to a greater power. Few people realize that they never accomplish anything in their lives by their own power alone. We partake of an infinite reality. Every deed, every thought, every feeling is connected to some aspect of that greater reality and strengthened by it. Our actions gain power from those aspects of the larger reality whether positive or negative, to which they are attuned. And so our faith in God, our faith in our spiritual environment, our faith in our spiritual leaders does matter, does matter. And, uh, and so if there's things that bother you, don't let go of that. Really work on understanding it in a deeper way. And if it's not right, then talk to people about it. But, but don't let it just flow along. And uh, really feel also the, um, the awareness of that greater reality. You know, I was thinking when the pandemic first started, uh, we did a number of recordings just to put online and hopefully help people. and. Uh, and I was remembering that I thought, you know, I think the most important thing in this time, several things, but one is to adjust to current realities quickly. Don't resist whatever current realities are. And two is to realize just what he says here. Divine Mother's in charge now. You know, that's something that it helps you to relax. And I don't mean by relax, go to sleep, but it helps you to relax into a greater awareness. And uh, I would say what Ananda has accomplished in this time is quite remarkable. I connect with other spiritual groups because of estate planning. And uh, one group on the East Coast, they told me 
that last year, 2020, they, they lost half their income because they had to, like everybody, had to lock down, had to uh, really uh, just not do things that they did to gain uh, income. And here at Ananda, 2020 was one of the best years we've ever had financially. It was because we were fluid enough, we were together, working harmoniously together to quickly move online. Other groups weren't able to do that quickly enough, and so they're doing it now little by little. But pretty much every aspect of Ananda, did we want to do that? Did we want to close the expanding light and the meditation retreat? No way, but we needed to do it to be safe. But Divine Mother, because we worked with that reality, blessed us greatly. And uh, I'll just say that as one reality, and the other is that we've had no COVID serious cases here in the community, in this village. No one has died here from that. And so we took, we've taken steps, not contractive, but things that would work, common sense, and tried to attune to that greater reality in this time. So, you know, again, these are tumultuous times, and they won't end anytime soon either. The pandemic is one part of it, and then we've got climate change, and we've got oil, and we've got, you know, you've got, you pick your, your uh, pieces of what could go wrong and all of that. But, but be aware that as we move through these, we are all really trying to attune to that greater reality and to work harmoniously together so that we can uh, really expand who we serve. And I'll just close with this one uh, little story. One, I'll make one comment first and then close, but one, I, because I'm part of the development department, I see the donations that come in online and there's all the personal information and then there's, why did you make this donation? One man said, sanity. Another, another said, love of God and guru. Another said, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Many, many, many comments like this. Pranava yesterday gave a Kriya online for people all over the world. 21 people from New Zealand, Australia, US, Canada, Brazil, Slovakia, or whatever it was, Slovenia, and uh, UK, France, and Germany. I mean, we're not contracting. We're trying to keep up with the expansion that's happening in a unique way in this time. And we will reopen. Things will come back to some semblance of normality. But I wanted to say in regard to where he says, can you perform miracles by faith alone? And the answer is yes. By attunement with the energy and that lovely story of Padmapada. Padmapada was a disciple of a great guru. He came to the river's edge and his guru was seated on the other side. And Swami Kriyananda said, Master told this story. 
And he said, when he told it, he said, the guru seated on the other side looked at Padmapada and he said he made just a very, he said, come here, like that, quietly, just come here. Padmapada immediately, because of his attunement with his guru, stepped on the water and a lotus was there to support his foot. He stepped again, another lotus, and again, and again, and again. But I thought it wasn't just that he liked his guru. It wasn't just that he believed in his guru. And it wasn't even just that he had faith in his guru. He was one with his guru. And I think belief goes to faith Faith goes to oneness, where you don't need to have faith in anything outside you. You're one with that. My understanding would be that's how Padmapada walked on the water, was that he was one with his Guru's understanding. Joy to all of you. Life is a dream, time like a stream, carries our burdens away, never despair, joys everywhere, love can befriend you Oh